0: Francois, and I'm here for the, uh, doing a podcast on uh, the 1980 Super Bowl winning championships of the Raiders, Super Bowl winning Raiders, and uh, this podcast is by the, uh, it's done on Spotify and uh, Anchor, so that'll be available to listen to, um, this is Power of Love, uh, I, this is the Power of Love, is what I go by. But the power of love is, a, to me, is why I don't explain it to you all the whole name. It's about the love of money, the love of sports, the love of food, the love of uh, talk, the love of chatter, the love of whatever you want to call it, sex, whatever. So that's, that's what uh, that's why I call it the power of love, because there's a lot of ways to have love in here. And uh, the way I look at love is love is respect. And uh, well, this is one of the teams I really respected the 1980 Raiders because of all the what uh, they had to go through to, uh, to win the Super Bowl. Um, they were wild card, they were in the wild card. Uh, first team to come out of the wild card, won the Super Bowl. And so they had to play, play three games, which is, you know, it's not exactly an easy schedule when it have to but play, uh, that's when you had to play. Nineteen games to actually win the Super Bowl, and uh, you know, and in two, was the nineteen eighty team was just for the Raiders, which won the Super Bowl. I guess they beat they beat up on the Eagles, but the Eagles, Eagles were the same too, the same almost the same as the Raiders. They're passing renegades, and you know, you look at the Eagles quarterback. Was, and he was out of uh he was out of a little college, Youngstown state. He's called Polish rifle, but he, you know, and he was with a buddy So he goes with quite a few different teams and uh players, yeah, numerous numerous stars, his starting for part uh, numerous teams, but I get it later. The Raiders were a team of renegades there from the 1980s. I'm sure that in the middle 70s they won Super Bowl XI with Snake Stabler. I don't know if you guys know Ken Stabler and and Mr. Famous video game announcer was uh, probably one of the best football coaches that has ever lived and he coached for 11 years John Madden and you know it's kind of funny to look at Madden now I, I still think of him as a coach, and you know, I, I think just quite a few people out there think of him as a video game, which either way, I, I love his video games too, so uh, but the thing is for the for the readers was that man had to quit in 1979 because he had ulcers. He had ulcers really bad to really get to him, and uh and there's only one way to uh Get and get out of that coaching stuff because it's coaching brutal and uh, you know there's a lot of sleeping in your uh, coach's office and sleeping you know and sleeping you know it's not you don't have much with home life let's just put it that way you know your your wife thinks she knows you but she doesn't and most times <laughs> she probably ever sees you on TV but no nah, it was a uh, it was a year of uh, it was a year of really crazy uh, going on because of the uh, everything that was going on overseas and everything with the uh, you know with like the hostages and everything and Ronald Reagan was just starting to take his uh, come into the presidency and and um, you know that the thing about this Raider team is it's just you know the, the uh, Super Bowl I was going to say the Super Bowl MVP was Rod Martin and he told the to the whole thing because. He had been cut by, I think two or three teams had been cut by. Raiders picked him up at the uh, beginning of the season, like, and he went on to, uh, he to become MVP of the Super Bowl. He had three interceptions in the Super Bowl against the Eagles. Uh, what I'll do is, I think, when, the best way to do this is I'm gonna have to do a in three-part series because of this book that I'm uh, looking at right now. It's called Super, and it's by Murray Olderman. It's edited by Murray Olderman, and uh, it's called "The Readers in Their Finest Hour." Um, and it talks about, and obviously, this book's from 19, June of 1981. And it's big. It's like I don't know. I look at it as being a copy. It's something I'm on a doctor, but sitting in a living, living, and laying on a coffee table. The book's huge. You know, it's a lot bigger than a regular, uh, a lot bigger than a regular book. And it's probably, you know, it's it's still readable, but it's just like, it's, it doesn't have the dance. It's, it's full of illustrations. It's full of uh, caricatures, caricatures. And it starts out as the, uh, starts out where uh, the caricatures are a lot of the Raiders players, and uh, because by, the guy that wrote it by Murray Olderman, he's also an outstanding artist to go along with, and he's one of the two caricatures, and, but he also is a great writer, and uh, there's another book out there too, I think, of it. I think Murray Olderman's got a lot of books and out there that he's wrote, but, uh, one of the better books I remember now because of a Packer fan is he wrote a book on Park Star back in, uh, I think it was back in 19, probably like 1978 or 79. And uh, maybe earlier than that, but what I'm saying is that this guy, this team was, <laughs> it's that laugh of this team because it's so, I'm looking at the book right now, it's just so full of renegades, you know, there's, what happened was they, uh, before the year even starting, a couple moves they made was they trade, made a big trade with, I like think it was during the 1979, uh, year. is when they shipped, uh, Jack Tatum and, uh, Dave Casper to, uh, shipped Jack Tatum, Jack Tatum, Dave Casper, and Kenny Stave were over to the, uh, over to, uh, sorry, over to the Oilers. And, uh, yeah, I know one of the guys that got back was Pastorini and um Pastorini and some a lot of draft picks. I'm oh, sorry, Pastoreni and Kenny King. And uh, King was a viable person in Super Bowl, too, uh, in 1981, Super Bowl, I believe. Anyways, 1980 season, I should say. Um that's the uh that's the thing about this whole book is that you know i keep i keep looking at this stuff and you think of little little major parts these, these players that played you know what you know i mean they have they used more stick them on the sidelines they had a they had so much stick them on they could see it during the game they had problems like freeing their hands off because it was the, uh, then the outlaws stick of the next year. But, uh, it was like little tricks of the trade these veterans knew how to do it. And, uh, you know, they the guys that they had on this team was, uh, you know, guys like Ted Hendricks, Hall of Famer, Bob Chandler, uh, excellent wide receiver from Buffalo, they got to play at USC. Um, they had, uh, uh, they had, you know, Rod Martin. Like I said, he was picked up. Uh, they had uh, Otis Sistronk, I don't know, if you see Otis Sistronk on a sideline during ABC. He's, his head's so smooth. He's got, he's got steam coming off the top of his head, and uh, it's, just, it's, it's just, it's, you know, it's fun to look at what they say about. With these guys you know freaking Owens, I'm looking burger Owens, I'm looking at in here and uh, you know he he was with uh quite a few organizations uh, casper uh like I said casper was traded over art shell uh, art shell and uh gene upshaw were the only constable or the uh were the pillars of that team. Cause they I believe both or just one maybe had been in the uh, Super Bowl against the Packers and Super Bowl two. And um and that would have been nineteen uh, nineteen sixty eight Super Bowl. And you know this is they, they had been there for a while so they could just they could build build their team around them too. And uh but they also had, you know, it was. It's funny when I think about the quarterback situation with Jim Puckett. You know, Puckett was the number one choice out of Stanford back in uh, the year the quarterback in 1971. And um, you know, it was the year of the quarterback, and it was when Puckett was out of Stanford. He was number one, but they also had uh, Archie Manning, almost uh, well well known who he is. <laughs> to Peyton and Eli, um, but also the, uh, the other quarterback were Lynn Dickey out of Kansas State, and, uh, Dante Van Pastorine, too, and, uh, you know, when I think of, uh, Crockett is the, one of the best, uh, stories that I've ever read, and, uh, I've read quite a few books on past three it's just it's not it's a little rag the riches stories where he's i should say you know he's got it all going for him he's the uh, premier quarterback of the nfl he comes in he gets with the team of the uh England patriots and he's with them for four years where he just gets pummeled uh, because i say this is i think he loves it. they're giving up I probably gave up like the most sacks in the fall four years, I do believe. But you know, he he was so gun shy at the end because when he was fighting for the Patriots and probably they traded him to San Francisco in seventy six and uh you know I and he went through nobody had any confidence in him at the end of the uh seventy five, nobody had any confidence in him and he went over to to uh, a giant here, that's giant. The 49ers in 1976, and and he was he had a really bad uh, he had a really bad sprain and on him in that league too, or that that team too, because uh, it was the one uh, part of the, uh, the whole thing was to uh, to see him and go uh, the whole story was to see him go out. And, Caught he got cut by the uh, 49ers in 77 and he got picked up and I believe it was seventy-eight by the by the Raiders. But he was third strength behind uh Stabor and uh behind Stable and uh I believe it would have been uh, David David Hump. And the thing was, was the problem was the whole, it was the whole situation was it took. You know, it's like when you go to the doctor, and the doctor has his system, and then the other people around have their system. But all of a sudden, they got you on every kind of freaking medicine you could ever imagine. You know, it's like my friend here. She says that she was at a uh, twelve years old. And they had her on like twelve different kinds of medication. A twelve-year-old, you know, and that was like what what Plunkett was going through. Even all these different systems, with all these different teams, with his with this different teams that were just doormats. Um, with bad coaching, bad uh, bad coaching, and bad uh, bad attitude teams. And uh and a lot of guys that were just there playing for their money. And that was the thing about Plunkett. And uh you know, once he got it, once he got over to the uh nineteen eighty when the when the uh, Raiders had acquired Carine, I believe it was the but he had, yeah, he had been acquired by it for But I believe it was like the fifth game of the year is when uh, Pastor Reney broke his leg uh, against the Chiefs. And what happened was, you know, they needed Plunkett. And, um, yeah, they they really needed Plunkett and they needed Plunkett to come back in and and perform at a high level. Because, uh, you know, it was the Kansas City Oakland game, and uh, this was the game where they got beat 31 to 17 by Kansas City. And I'm I'm in 1980, I'm sorry, but anyways, I'm trying to say is that you know, Parker ended up getting Oakland. He was a bit when he was, it's a team of talent, a team of a, a winning attitude. I'm not gonna say it was a good attitude, but it was a winning attitude, and they uh. Yeah, Tom Forrest was the new coach. He had come in and uh, he was a new coach, Forrest was, and uh, they called him Iceman. But he had been a Raider ever since their uh, expansion days, when um, they came into existence. And, uh, you know, Forrest was a hell of a good quarterback, too, which I didn't realize until he was uh, in the AFL. He had led the uh, AFL in a couple of years. Um, but what happened was he was able to get with Plunkett and be able to help Plunkett and uh, realize his potential and his talents. And it's pretty amazing to look at, you know, what a guy could do when he's actually in the right situation and the right time and the right throne in his And they had big, picked, uh, picked Mark Wilson back in uh, 19, 1980. From BYU as a first round pick, and that was the uh, that was the guy that everybody thought that was going to take over. Um, He's going to take over for stabler and it ended up being that bunker. It Ended up being taken in by them. Ended up being that Pastorini Me was just another stopgap that came over from the uh, that came over from the Oilers in that trade that was talking about originally, and uh, the uh, the trade for. Uh, Tatum and uh, Stableworth. and uh, you know, Tennessee Stabler too it was like he became some interception call every time was such a, he was a great quarterback, but well, you know he just he had a lot of he had, he had some years that he, he threw more interceptions than he did touchdowns. Um, and I, I I'm gonna go into that a little bit too because reality was they had a guy named Cliff Branch who was a big part of the 1980s Super Bowl, the Super Bowl. And uh, Cliff Branch was at marvelous speed. He was on the Olympic team too for a uh, for, uh, for sprint. I think it was the, he was on a run for, for sprints. And he had like 4'2", well, four two, four three speed and nobody could keep up with him. So if they could get he's very frail, but if he got behind a cornerback, he was all well, they had to do was just throw it up in here and people he go get him. And uh that happened against these that to this uh I think that was the first touchdown they had against the, the Eagles and uh in the Super Bowl. Um uh, it was pretty amazing was the uh just the time period back then was so, uh, was it was such a rounding into a, a wonderful era for sports. And you know, in the 70s were '70s and the 80s were, were my favorite when I grew up. So it was like my favorite time of year. And like I said, I'm looking at some of these guys on here that uh, I can tell you a little bit more about. The Super Bowl, the January 25th in 1981, by the way. So. I didn't mean to lose you guys on that, but uh, what I'm trying to say is that you're gonna see a lot of these names that I'm gonna talk about later. Like talking about like Mark Vanny again. Um was a was a great fullback out of uh was out of Colgate. And um, he was just like he brought him in and the fullback was uh they concentrated on most of the offenses was around the fullback, back then, in, uh, at Oakland. And the halfback, the halfback was not uh, a guy that was going to get the ball like he do now like 40 times, like 20 times a game. Um, back then, they, uh, the majority of the carries were done by the uh, the fullback for the Raiders. and. Mark Van Egan was, was an incredible uh, incredible player that wanted that, that Madden, Madden loved at the time and he was, he was able to develop him and that they were able to come and they were just able to uh, able to rely on him. Able to rely on Mark Van Egan for uh, for the nineteen eighty team. So this is what uh that's what I was like when I was looking at it, like, the, the stuff that so much stuff in here. And what I'm saying is that so many great players. Uh is just one of the one of the one of the few. One of the, one of the many, I should say. And you know it's it's fun to like look at this stuff because you know, it, it's it's so important just to go back and take a look at the stories and the tradition of the Raiders. And you know why? Uh, you know Rod Martin had the uh, he had three interceptions in this the uh, eighty-one Super Bowl, and yeah, uh, that was, was the thing. Is that you know it, it's like he it was, it was what you would call like journalist. And having, getting a super, winning a Super Bowl MVP was huge for him. And that was the thing about the, uh, the Raiders too is it's so another guy too with Lester Hayes. Um, I remember the uh, the first wildcard game they played in nineteen eighty was against the Oilers. So it, they were going back up against the uh, Stabler and Casper and. And uh, what's a big dude for them, but for, for the Oilers back then was uh, Ro Campbell. He was he was simply the uh, one of the best running backs ever. And there's still there's still tapes or there's still highlights I like to see with him. He's so strong, and fast, and he was more to the ground. So it's like when you get somebody he was low to the ground, he's gonna barrel right through you. And you know, and, and he was the, uh, he was never the tallest, he was never, uh, he was never gonna be, he was never gonna be the tallest guy that came into that collision. It was like, he was always like, gonna be that shorter guy, so he had the most leverage. And he was just gonna pound you, he was just gonna run you over, point you in the turf. There's, there's a couple of good, uh, good games that he had back in, uh, I'm getting off base here, I'm sorry. I'm still talking about Roe Campbell. because he just came to mind, but I'm thinking about one game, a couple, couple of games and a couple of highlights. One of the games was against uh, Miami in 19, uh, I believe it was 78, and uh, Monday Night Football, and I believe it was one of the last Monday Night Football games of the season. And he he got loose on the side he ran on uh, it. I think it was about 90 yards. He took a pitch on, he ran and down the sidelines he bowled all four guys over. And he went 90 yards and then, uh, that was while they came up and Love it blue. And I don't know if, ever, if you remember that stuff or not, but back then it was a uh, traditional slogan for the for the Oilers, was loved blue and, and um, you know, they had been, uh, 78 and 79, he had gotten knocked off by Pittsburgh full times, and uh, you know they've been able to stop Earl Campbell pretty much dead in his tracks as a or the defense, and uh, you know that was the thing was, was that was was Earl Campbell was just incredible force, had been trophy winning running back in 70, uh, 77. And uh like I said, this and he was the uh he's the type of guy that put everything on the line. He put every all of his physical physicality into football and uh for like he was in the league for eight years. But he was pretty much he'd done it physically when he was when he left the game. And uh unfortunately and later in his life, it uh it pretty much took all took Took him down to a wheelchair, and uh, that was like uh, that's why the two is that why they uh, they got rid of Kent King. And uh, back then, the true is that you know it was like they see I mean, it was five games he played in eighty until he got hurt and broke his leg. Then he went to uh, market. Sorry. DDHD is taking over today and it's taking over in a big time way because I am all over the place. But uh trying to say is back then in 1980, it was when Lester Hayes took over the uh, cornerback spot for the for the Raiders and he had so much to stick on. He had 13 interceptions that year and him and uh, Freddie Volitnikov were, uh, were Mr. Stick'ems because I don't know if you've ever had, I think it's like pine tar almost, is what it was, and it's sticky, gross, like goo that, you know, is, and stick'em is just gross. So anyways, what happened was, with uh, the oilers in that I'm trying to keep you in the background here, twenty-seven to seven, I believe. They lost to the Raiders that year. Uh, like I said, Lester Hayes had a huge game. This is the AFC Wild Card game in nineteen eighty. Lester Hayes had a huge game, and he had uh he picked he picked the pass off, I know, and he ran it back for a backward touchdown. And it was the uh, and it was the uh, final nail in the casket, I think you would say. That's what they call it anyways in sports. It's a clincher, and uh, one of the things I liked about Lester Hayes is, is uh, <laughs> they call them, they call, this is bad, but they call them Lester the Molester, and then they called, uh that's that's you could get away with it back then, but these ugly ass names. But true is this guy on the other side, Skip Thomas, was Doctor Death. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the way the Raiders were thought of, you know, they were they were not a team that was thought of very highly back then. You would not want to take your kids over to their what their to their lender, their locker room. You were afraid they wouldn't come out of that locker room because there was characters on his team. And you know and some of the characters on his team like you know, like Wild Alzado and uh I'm sorry, well I was able not well back then, but Shaman Tusek was and Tusek was out of his freaking mind. Um he was he was he was on every kind of drug he could get his hands on. And he'd put him on tranquilizers. You know, he would take you he and he'd get a hold of tranquilizers and stuff you and he would uh take the tranquilizers and he wouldn't be able to get up for like forty eight hours. He'd be like it just didn't be laying in there and it's in a position where you couldn't even move, and uh, but he's he's a fun one to read about too, and you know it, it's fun to read about the raiders because, like I was saying, these these guys that were just crazy. So if anybody else wants to sit down and read some good books on the raiders, go ahead, but don't have your kids around that's for sure. And don't let your kids get a hold of the books because so, it, it's graphic. So, anyways.
1: I'm gonna do i am I'm gonna do
0: some more parts of this series. I'm gonna do some more parts of this book because I can't even hear it today. I just kinda give you a rough background. So anyways. I uh like I said, I apologize for my ADHD and uh, and and I hope that, you know, each and every one of you is able to get a hold of these uh get a hold of many stories. But I'm gonna be doing a lot more book doing some more uh, doing a Probably problem, Hopefully I can do a maybe three part series on this Raider thing here, and if nobody else told you they love it today, I do, that I'll pass on that.